Hi, everyone. This is the 100th episode of CXCast, and we're not huge on milestones or commemorations here, but we did want to say a few quick words of thank you. Thank you to our listeners. Our audience has grown steadily over the two-plus years we've been doing this, and and we know that's because many of you are, are sharing the podcast with friends or colleagues and We appreciate you listening. We appreciate you sharing it. Thank you to my colleagues. This is Sam, uh, who have supported me in making these episodes. Uh, Will and Gabriella, in particular, uh, have just been fantastic at recording and producing the episodes and uh, booking guests and uh, dealing with my crazy schedule. So I appreciate all of that. Thank you to Nick for managing the studio, for getting us in here, for making improvements and enhancements and teaching us how to actually record podcast episodes. Thank you to all of our colleagues who have been guests on the podcast, the regular voices you've heard aside from my own, and many of our clients now who have appeared recently and who you will hear from more in subsequent episodes. And uh, one last thank you to my brother, Phil, for strumming the music that you hear in the uh, outro of CXCast when we thought, uh, when we started, we didn't want to have to pay a song license royalty fee. So lots of thank yous around. Keep listening. We've got a great episode this week with Lori Park from Quest Diagnostics coming in just a second. But wanted to say thank you at this 100th episode birthday of CXCast. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Forrester's CXCast. This is Sam Stern, joined again in studio by my colleague Adele Sage. Hi, Adele. Hi, Sam. And we have a special guest on the phone, very excited to be joined by Lori Park, who is the Vice President of Customer Experience at Quest Diagnostics. Hi, Lori. Hey, Sam. Hi, Adele. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for joining us. So, Lori, we thought we'd start with your background and go back to when you first got into customer experience. How did you first get into the field? I don't know about others, but my path here is a little circular. I'm actually (laughs) a finance professional by training, coming through a lot of things. But um, right before moving into CX, I was actually leading one of our businesses. I was leading our prescription drug monitoring and toxicology business when in mid-2014, our CEO made the decision to add a customer experience role Hmm. and approached me to see if I was interested in developing the practice for the company. So literally um, gave up my, uh, my P&L and moved into trying to develop the new discipline for us, which has been a really exciting transition for me. Oh, that's really interesting. Before you became a customer experience professional, how would you characterize your sort of familiarity with customer experience as a discipline or a topic? I was a consumer, right? So I knew what it was like there, had heard about the evolving practice. But in 2013, we had gone through a process that we called our strategic fitness. And at that point, um, Steve Ruskowski, our CEO, had been with the organization about 12 months. And he was really looking for a 360 from his, his 200 or so top leaders in the organization around what was working and what wasn't. And one piece of feedback that he heard loud and clear was that everybody had something they were focusing on, but no one owned the customer. And as part of our leadership meeting that year in November, he actually brought in a couple of leaders or outside speakers about elements of experience. And he made the commitment in November of 2013 meeting to start and have someone in place within the next 12 months to lead customer experience. So my real first introduction was hearing Joseph Michelli and some other speakers at our November meeting as our CEO made that commitment that we would be putting someone in place. 
So as I moved into my job in 2014, I'm going to be honest, I spent a lot of time doing a lot of research, reading a lot of books, Mm. talking to others who were in the role to understand how did they define the role, what would they do differently, and, and just doing a lot of reaching out and doing a lot of questions and a lot of listening. So that's interesting. Three years later, is there something that you wish you'd known Back then that you, you know, that didn't get uncovered in that research? Because that sounds as though you were pretty thorough. Well, I have to admit, I joked with my boss at that time as I was going through it that every six months I found out how little I knew six months previously. (laughs) But the one thing I'm glad I didn't know is how hard it is. So rewarding, but it's really hard because at least our approach has been highly collaborative and really getting people aligned on a similar approach. I have a very small team, so I need to influence and guide. I can't command and control. So I think it takes longer, but I think drives more stickiness, but it does move a little slowly. And um, I guess I didn't realize how much work it would take. I like that characterization, influence and guide versus command and control. I think for a lot of customer experience professionals that will resonate as the reality of the level that they're able to dictate what's going to happen in a customer experience transformation at their company. Sam, I think the one thing I've kind of concluded, though, is that for us, for Quest, if we tried to do it all out of the middle, I don't know how sustainable it would Mm -hmm. be. And Mm -hmm. that's the comment that we have is when we start to see people inspired and reach out. We had one of our leaders of one of our functions was doing some planning and she gave me a call and said, hey, on your high-level strategy, what's your vision for this part of the experience? And I think we gave her maybe no more than 30 or 40 words that gave that high-level feeling for that part of the experience. And she went out and started to build a strategy around it. And that's really what I want to see happen, right? That we start to say to people, hey, what's the vision for what's the patient telling us or the consumer? And then I'm going to go think about how we can bring that to life and bring it back to you guys to see what you think, because then you start to have more people creating and developing, and I think there you drive sustainability. Yeah, that makes sense. And and I think that's a really good example of what can happen when people are taking their own initiative with a little bit of guidance and support from you, of course, but also feeling like they have ownership for some mm-hmm. of the success of this transformation. I think that's been key. Yeah, that's great. So you mentioned the start for you of this transformation once you got the job was that research. You name-checked Joseph Michelli, who's written a lot of customer experience books on Mercedes-Benz, Ritz-Carlton, and others, just for our listeners. So in case you're looking to add to your customer experience reading list, um, once you were officially installed in the job, so I think in 2014, uh, what, what were some of the first things that you tackled? is everything. So obviously, um, we were also in the midst of going through a rebranding for the organization, which I think in a perfect world would have got the CX going a little faster, maybe, yeah, but at least we had a branding platform to come in from. And so we really tackled a couple different areas. One was really understanding what did our key customers want in the experience. So in healthcare, we identified four primary customer bases that we really went out and did research to understand what were they looking for from a diagnostics provider and really tackled that is one key stream. And the other key stream that we were looking at is how do we start to inform and engage our employees in driving a customer-driven and service orientation culture as part of the rollout of our new branding in the spring of 2015. So it really was a dual track. So we had the culture work going, and then we had that underlying research that was going that would inform 
a broader experience strategy for the organization. And a key part was initially us defining what we wanted some of the key elements of our experience to be. And those were really where we spent, I would say, that first 12 months or so really focusing in on those two streams. With a third stream, understanding how do we build a better VOC loop for our organization, not dissimilar to a lot of others. We have data in a lot of different places, and how do we mine it and learn from it? And that's an ongoing journey for us. I'm curious on the ongoing journey part of that, what are some of the big challenges around VOC for you, and and what are you doing about them? On the VOC side, we are working really closely with our IT colleagues as well as our colleagues in other parts of the organization to leverage the data lake that's being built as part of a product that we sell customers as well as internally to mine our data. So it's been working with them to how do we bring together the data from different data sources as well as putting in place um, processes around listening teams. I would say we're still in the early stages of those elements, but we are starting to get more disciplined around it. And I think it's even a language and an approach that we can start talking in a more common way. So it's baby steps along the way. The partnership with IT sounds particularly interesting. How did you get that going? A big piece, if we go back to a lot of our strategy pieces, is that we knew fundamentally that our customers don't differentiate when they're in healthcare versus other parts of their day to day lives and what they're looking for. And while they may have, and, and you guys talked about it in a recent seminar with healthcare experience, that while previously they may have accepted long wait in things in healthcare, they're not accepting it anymore. So we knew, and our CEIO had already been working to lead the charge on activities relating to how do we start to better digitize our experience. And so we naturally came together, working really tightly with our IT organization, um, CX, and our key parts of our marketing organization, along with the appropriate functions, to really start to define collaboratively what is that experience that we want to build for patients, or as we're starting to refer to them increasingly, consumers, Mm -hmm. as well as healthcare professionals and hospitals and health systems, really looking at those different groups. And we know that digital transformation is a key part of the backbone for the experience change. It's not the only piece, but it's a key piece of it. You've got a really complicated ecosystem around this, right? You just were referencing patients who are consumers and providers and payers, and I'm probably missing a bunch and maybe even getting terms wrong here. Uh, How did you help your colleagues sift through that and think about when we talk about customer experience, who are we talking about and how are we thinking about how all these pieces fit together? It's funny you ask that question. We spent in that first 12 months a lot of time debating which customer is more important. Where do we start? And I think it was not so much as you know who's more important, but where do we start? Which one? Which customer matters the most? And so we did bring together some pretty good teams, and we really had that conversation around when buying decisions are being made. How do we think about this? If we only have limited dollars, where does the first dollar get spent? And we really went round and round on all those pieces. And we came back to, as one key element, is that patient or the consumer is a common part of all of the ecosystem. My patient is a physician's patient who's working potentially in a health system and is a member of a health plan. So when we looked at all those those different elements of the ecosystem, that was a common element of it yeah. that we needed to really address. And so we came to that and we really looked at and defined 
and we started then also saying, what are the guiding principles? What are the key pieces that a patient wants versus what are the key pieces that a health system wants versus physicians? And we started to see a lot of commonalities in what they were looking for. Hmm. It may have manifested differently, but there were some key pieces they were looking for, transparency of pricing and process, ease of interaction. So there were some things that were common that we started to be able to say we can build a framework and start to satisfy not just one of the customers, but multiple customers off the same framework. It sounds like you were able to reach consensus. It was not easy, and we actually had a lot of hard conversations, Mm -hmm. and uh, it was a lot of interesting conversations, and we did bring in some of an outside party to help us guide the conversation. I was going to ask if there was a secret to success, and do you you attribute it to that outside person coming in? I do think um, that having an outside resource who had been through it before was particularly helpful. And a key piece of advice that we received was it would be easy to just start initially just making changes on dealing with small problems. And the key piece of advice we received that was important to us was think about your big picture and where you want to go, where that big North Star is, and then start tackling that as well as your immediate pain points. And I think for us that was pretty critical. Yeah, that's a tension I think that's maybe sort of easy to imagine, but then hard to manage day to day, uh, which is, you know, we want to not lose the focus on a sort of transformative future state experience. But we also don't want that to be distracting us from fixing some of these very real, very sort of um, present today pain points. So I wonder, how do you think about that? How did you guys tackle that sort of two track experience improvement goal? I think we've been better about it in some channels than others. Mm. But I think for us, and at least on a couple of channels, we had multiple groups trying to tackle the big future state. And we said, this is going to help us move faster if we all came in together and agreed on what it looks like. And what's been pretty critical in that one area is really coming up with a future state, a big picture roadmap of where we want to get to which has a big picture, but also is more granular that also includes some of those quarterly changes that are happening that we can have people do it. And quite honestly, on our IT team, our IT partners, they've got separate groups, some that are working on these transformative product changes, as well as different teams. And our CIO refers to it as keeping the lights on work. So we're able to work with a couple different teams on the different tracks. Oh, that makes sense. So that two-track sort of mirrors IT, who's a critical partner, how they're thinking about improvements as well. Yeah, and for um, our CIO, that's a big piece of how she talks is what have I got to work on, the transformative on those pieces that are really important, and I got to have people working on that urgent day-to-day to keep us, make sure we're as effective as we can be in the day-to-day. That's great. Besides IT, and I don't want to minimize that because as Adele sort of alluded to in her question before, uh, we usually hear the opposite, right, that uh, IT is a, is a barrier or a difficult hurdle to overcome for, for CX professionals. So I think it's credit to your colleague that uh, they've been a great partner of yours. But aside from them, are there other stakeholders or departments within the organization that have been particularly good partners to you on this transformation? Oh, there's so many. There, and I'm not, I, I really mean it. I mean, if we think about the way we approached um, setting up our experience teams, I made the conscious decision not to have one of the CX professionals as a leader of the team. So we actually have our experienced teams jointly led by the marketing leader for that channel and an IT leader for that channel. 
with the support of customer experience in other areas. And the reason we made that decision is ultimately the marketer owns their channel. So our marketing colleagues have been really critical in working together across those pieces. And look on the operations side, obviously, our operation and our redesign team have been pretty critical. And then on the culture side, have been working really tightly also with our HR team. And we made the decision around um, our everyday excellence, which is our name for our customer experience or our culture element of this, that that actually we work tightly with our HR colleagues, but it's not an HR program. It actually stays in customer experience, but we work really tightly with our HR colleagues to build into the way that we recruit, the way that we do evaluations and leadership development, that everyday excellence is woven into those core HR processes so that it doesn't feel like it's just a new flavor, but it shows and demonstrates that this is how we're going to work as an organization. Um, Adele, Lori was great. We should have her back maybe for another episode. I agree. Lori, can we call you next week? Yeah. Great. Well, everyone, thank you for listening. We'll post some links to relevant reports that Lori was referencing in the conversation. And we'll talk to you all next week on CXCast. Bye for now. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. Remember, your customer's perception is your customer experience reality. Mm-hmm.